Breaking news around the NFL here on a Wednesday, and not a surprise, but but a, a key, key member of one of the best teams in the AFC and a big name around the league. He was the defensive player of the year last year. Stefan Gilmore, the Patriots, has tested positive for coronavirus. What does that mean for the season going forward? And, and even more specifically, right, the here and now, NFL Week 5, what does that mean? Uh, our guest today is the host of NFL Red Zone, which bags, I will be honest with you, because I work on a Sunday, I wasn't really dialed into it until about a few years ago. Now it really procrastinates what I get done at the TV station every single Sunday. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Yeah, so from two people who work in television, in TV news, it's incredible the production of it and how they're even able to pull it off. I'm looking forward to not just getting into the football side of things, but the broadcast side and the job that our guest does as well. And happy birthday, buddy. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Ian Anderson will take the mound for the Braves, our local guy, uh, starting game two for Atlanta against Miami. And you and I will do our bank on it coming up later on in the show. But let's not waste any more time here. Let's get right to Scott Hansen, the host of NFL Red Zone. Scott, you also played football at Syracuse for our Orange fans. They certainly remember those days of yours on the football field, man. It's good to see you. How are you? Good to see you guys doing. Happy birthday. I didn't realize we were going to be celebrating on the show here. Today. Yeah, I'm I'm really getting old. Not as old as Chris, but 34 today. So it's I'm climbing the ladder. Good to see your head. I don't have to work, so I'll bags, I'll have a drink for you, buddy. I appreciate um, it. But first, your reaction today, man. I obviously, like I said, not a surprise. Baseball dealt with this, a sport that isn't in a bubble. You kind of knew you'd run into some of these things. But as you were preparing for this season, what was your mentality towards what the league would be up against? Yeah, well, as I was preparing for the season, like before training camps even opened up, there was a point that I thought we might not have an NFL regular season or we wouldn't be able to get through it. And then when training camps formed, we obviously didn't have the traditional preseason this year, but when training camps formed and the daily testing of players, coaches, and support staff began in earnest and was being cranked out. And then the first batches of numbers started coming out. We would get about an update about once a week as to what the daily test results were. And it was zero, zero, zero. Hmm. In other words, zero positive tests across the board for the first, well, the whole month of, of training camp. And then into the first two weeks of the regular season. And I, I was astounded. I thought not only did that mean huge things for the NFL, I thought it meant a lot for the rest of the pro sports world. And I even thought you could extrapolate some things about our country and maybe even the global uh, issue of the pandemic. And here's why. I don't think any entity, and I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, I don't know of another entity that is testing more frequently and the same groups of people and controlling the environment than the NFL. There certainly aren't any other pro sports that are testing this much because you have more players on an NFL roster and more coaches and more, more support staff and they're doing daily testings. I don't think the U.S. military is testing for COVID as much as, as the NFL is. So I thought we could probably learn a lot, even medically, about what we were seeing or not seeing. And it was great news up until the last, let's say, 10 days or so when obviously the Titans and Steelers game had to be 
had to be pushed back. And then we had the Cam Newton positive test. And then today's news was Stefan Gilmore. I don't want to say that I think we're on a tipping point yet, but we could be heading towards one. I mean, because look, we're just going into cold and flu season, normal cold and flu season across the country. And if the if uh, COVID behaves with some of the same properties or some of the same circumstances in just day to day life could could uh, in, uh, contribute to the spread of it. We, I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone knows exactly what is ahead. I do trust that the NFL has got the best finger on the pulse as they can of this thing by the daily testing. But you still it, it, it's. It still is a virus and a very contagious virus. So I'm not sure if, if it'll be able to be stopped uh, from spreading further in the NFL. And I don't know what that means for the NFL. If we are going to have to cancel games, forfeit games, postpone the season for a little bit, or God forbid, an all-out cancellation of the season. I don't know. It's uncharted territory. And I, I'm just along for the ride like everybody else reacting to it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um all right, so let's let's think positive now that we're going to have a season. I want to really think positive. So let's talk about the Jets and the Giants a little bit. <laughs> um, wow. So a lot of a lot of fans of both teams here in our area, Scott. Boy, I don't know who's worse. I'm not going to ask you who's worse. Maybe I'll ask it this way: Who's in a better spot moving forward? Look at guys, I, I I really, you know, I always like to to cater to the local fan bases when I appear on a show, but I also try and cater to them by not just throwing fake bouquets. Let, let, let's keep it real here. Here's the best thing I think I can say about the Jets and the Giants in 2020. You both are going to find out if you have the franchise quarterback that you think that, that, that you need to be a playoff contender and a Super Bowl contender, right? Both of the quarterbacks have been were drafted high and, and thought to be the franchise quarterback. Daniel Jones, a little bit less of a of a, a body of work than Sam Darnold. But you're you're going to find out by the end of the season, you will both know, you Jets and Giants fans will both know if you are in the quarterback market again come the 2021 draft. Now, that's not a lot to cling to in terms of hope, but clarity at the most important position in the NFL is something that every franchise needs to figure out. And I, if, if you, you guys do a poll or something like that, I don't know what Jets and Giants fans would say about their two individual guys. I mean, we're not going to get Darnold this weekend, it, it, it sounds like. It's Flacco going forward, at least for this week. And then Daniel Jones, it, like – Dude, you you got to clean up the turnovers. It's just ridiculous how much, how how often uh, he's turned the ball over, fumbles and interceptions. You can't lay every one of them at their feet. You should parse through the video to see. Okay, well this fumble really wasn't his fault, or this pick got hit off a shoulder pad. Should have been a cat caught pass. But numbers are numbers at the end of the day. So again, the best thing I can say: hang on, hang on for dear life, Jets and Giants fans. Twenty twenty is not going to be very nice, but by the end of twenty twenty, you're going to know if you've got the guy at the most important position on the field. Scott, in all your years covering the league, have you noticed any kind of trend that if after one coach is fired, right after one franchise decides, okay, we've got to move on, that then others are more comfortable doing so, and so. On the Jets' beat here, is Adam Gase now in greater danger simply because the Texans made the first move? 
I, I, I don't I would answer that. No, I, I don't think his seat is any hotter because, well, the first franchise of the year and there certainly will be others decided yeah. to pull the trigger. I mean, Adam Gase's seat is hot because of the results that we have seen on the field or the lack of results. Some people might say, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think so. I, I would say this like Adam Gase. I, I don't know him personally, but. From what I see from the outside looking in, he is in the, you know, bite down on the mouth guard right now. Just stick your head down and just keep <laughs> plowing through ahead with work. They've got to stack some wins. Otherwise, obviously, he won't be there. And I don't know if it would <clears> – <throat> if if they fire the coach and if you do it midseason, is that going to make anyone – is that going to make – you don't fire the coach to make yourself feel better. And I bet you there are some Jets fans that say, oh, if they move on from Adam Gase, oh, I'll feel better about the – okay, you don't fire the coach to make the fans or anyone else feel better. You fire the coach to make the franchise better. And if they get to that point, they've got to make the move, whether that's week five, whether that's at the bye, whether that's at the end of the season. Um, it ain't over yet. And, and if Adam Gase sees this, I would just say, hey, you, you know, it, Tom Coughlin was hanging by a fingernail at one time. Heck, I'll tell you a funny Tom Coughlin story, if I can, because we're talking to a Giants audience here as well. So uh, they go in and they and they win the first of the two Coughlin Super Bowls. Yeah. And I went to training camp the first day of training camp the next year. OK, so it's the, the afterglow of, of having beaten the Patriots and all of this and whatnot. And fans were allowed at that first practice. So the fans were all yelling and screaming and stuff. And they're asking for autographs. And Eli Manning's walking off the practice field at the end. I'm waiting to do my interviews and I'm going to get Tom Coughlin. Well, Coughlin's coming over and, he, and people are yelling and screaming, Tom, Tom. And they're holding out papers to him and stuff to sign and helmets and babies to kiss and all this <laughs> type of stuff. And. Tom had a guy with him. It must have been one of the assistant coaches or somebody. It was kind of like his handler to know when to pull him away from the crowd. And uh, and, and the guy goes, and I was within earshot of this. The guy goes, he's like, Coach, man, they all want your autograph. And, he lo- and Coughlin looked back, and he's like signing. And he looked back at the guy, and he goes, yeah. And they all wanted my A-double-S last year. <laughs> and, and I just thought that was so perfect. It's like, yep, the, he was hanging by a thread, and they were about to fire what would be a two-time Super Bowl winning coach, right. and it was this close. So, so look, it, it's never over, and I know people will say, oh, well, this guy's not that guy and whatnot, but, hey, you, you stick your head down, you stack some wins when you can. Otherwise, the NFL stands for not for long. Let's stay with the Giants here real quick, at least their division. Uh, the NFC East, it, it is – it's something else. So the Cowboys lose again this week to Cleveland. Um, you look at the records there on the screen. How many wins are going to be enough to actually <laughs> this division and get into the playoffs as a division winner? Dude, I mean, <laughs> it would kind of be hilarious to see a 7-9 and nine team have a home playoff game. Right. Now, it would be – for there would be like a there'd be a 10 and 6 nfc wild card team that would be like what what we had we had a double digit win season and we got to go and travel but i'll say this if you guys you know talk to your audience and look through the historicity of it when we have had 
what people consider to be a rubbish record division winner with a home playoff game taking on like a, you know, a 10 and six wild card team. One of the last examples of that was the New Orleans Saints going to Seattle. Yeah. And Seattle was, what were they, eight and eight that year, whatever yeah. they were. And, and they were the division winner. And Seattle beat them. That was the Beast Quake game, right? The, the, the Beast Mode touchdown run game. So, so the NFC East, man, it is, it is bad. But somebody will win it. And you know what? If the Dallas Cowboys have a home playoff game at AT&T or Philadelphia or Washington, I mean, you know, who knows? And look at, we might as well say the Giants in there because the Giants aren't, aren't out of it yet. You never know. You never know um, how many wins it'll take. I'll just, I'll say eight and eight. Although we've already got a tie in the division with Philadelphia there. So maybe it's, maybe it's seven, eight and one that can win that division. Who knows? And if Mike McCarthy thinks Cowboys fans are unhappy now, if they lose to the Giants this week, uh, absolutely forget about yeah. it. S- Scott, in the in the next just final few minutes we have here with you, I want to ask you about your job because, like I said to Sean before we brought you on, because I work Sundays, I'm busy putting a sports cast together. I had to, I stopped doing fantasy football because I spent way too much time on Yahoo worrying about wh- what my guys were doing. But now – I've got red zone on one TV and I've got either the Giants, Jets or Bills on another. And I'm telling you, man, you're, you're really cutting into my work time. <laughs> I make no apologies, for that, <laughs> by the way. That's 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 uh, that's high class problem, as they as they like to say. Now, you know what? NFL red zone has been the most amazing thing in my career. And I, and I, I actually hope and wish for anyone who is in the public eye, whether you're a, a sports broadcaster, I even say to whatever, if you're an actor or a singer or a, anything that, that has to do with entertaining and informing the public, I wish and hope for everyone a vehicle in their career that and is similar to what NFL Red Zone has been for mine. Um, the, the show is awesome and the demands of the show happen to marry pretty well with whatever my skill set is, knowledge of the game and enthusiasm and stamina and an iron bladder and, and all the things that you have to have to do a seven-hour commercial-free television show. But it's it's fun to do, and it's so rewarding when I hear from the audience that they say it's changed the way they watch football, you know, and, and that's, the, that's the best compliment that, uh, that I could have, that we could have as uh, our staff on NFL. Oh, we just lost Scott. Well, we'll pop back in. I can I can monitor his shot there below us, back. So when his shot comes back, we'll we'll bring him back. And and I'm not kidding, man. Red zone is. I mean, I've heard people say it's like you know the NFL on crack, but it is. You see everything, and then by the end of the seven hours, you feel like you've like missed everything. It's just everything at once. Yeah. Just Boom, 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 boom. And for Scott to be able to keep up with it as the host of it, like I struggle as a fan even to remember, okay, what did I even just see within the last half hour? Touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, red zone possession after red zone possession. It's, it's, you've seen everything on a Sunday. And yet at the end of it, you're kind of like, what did I just see? Right. You know what it's like for us? We always, like our Super Bowl in TV news is always election night. Yeah. For me, it's like that's got to be like election night every week for them because it's 
it can't get any bigger. You can't be following more things. It's just everything all at once, like you say. And the, the whole production of it and the behind the scenes must be just as incredible as what's going on in front of the camera in terms of everybody keeping track of everything and keeping everything on the rails. It really is an incredible production that we see every week. All right, we've got Scott back. So let's bring him back in here. And Scott, I want to ask you about your prep every single season. Like, I'm not going to throw out a random team and player, Chicago Bears number 39, who is he? But how much do you feel like you know all these rosters? Ooh, well, you know, I probably sound a little more uh, – I probably sound smarter than I am because I, I do know the NFL. I won't make any – I don't believe in false modesty. I know the NFL. But I don't know every guy, especially when we start getting into later in the season when injuries are piling up and I'll be looking like quarterback will throw to guy 86. I'm like, I don't know who 86 is. And but I have a researcher and a spotter sitting in the studio. Well, now they're sitting socially distant from me, but they used to sit right immediately next to me. And they'll fire up a computer real quick and they'll pop on something. But we have had instances where I'll say, I, I don't know who 86 is before I've got to do the update or do do the, the highlight. And they'll punch it up and they're like, I'm on the Tennessee Titans website right now and they don't have an 86 on their roster. <laughs> like this is some guy who just got called up yesterday for the practice squad and they slapped the New Jersey on him and, and it's like, who is he? So, <laughs> so that can be a little tough sometimes. So sometimes you might just go, you know, touchdown Titans, you know, or whatever, yeah. and we'll figure out the guy's name later. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I study the NFL. I as soon as I get done with your show right here, I'm back into my research. Um, my my research team at NFL Media sends us, me, us, uh, uh, all of us that are on camera, about a 200-page packet on Tuesday nights that wraps up everything from the week before and looks ahead to the week upcoming. So I'll dive into that. I do my own spreadsheets with quarterback statistics, kicker statistics. Uh, touchdown scores, team offense, team defense, turnovers, uh, all various other stats. And I just put my, I like to call it putting my fingers in the dough because it just gets me familiar and saturates my mind with all of the numbers, facts, figures, milestones, storylines that we could be talking about. Because I'll have 12, 13 games total on Sunday on NFL Red Zone. I can't tell you which two, three, four are going to have the fantastic finish, the jaw-dropping moment, the boneheaded coaching decision, whatever it is that people are going to be talking about. I don't know which which games that's going to happen in. But if you watch NFL Red Zone, you're guaranteed that two, three, four of those games will have that. And so it's really just more a matter of familiarizing myself, getting getting my mind saturated with anything that I could be talking about, and then just watching nine monitors at the same time in the studio and, and ping-ponging to the best of my ability, trying to make it informative and entertaining with the energy and the passion that the greatest sport on earth deserves. And, and hopefully, hopefully I succeed pretty close to, to what we're trying to do. Bags, you have one more for our guy? Yeah, last one for me here, Scott. What would you, if you could peel back the curtain just a little bit, and one thing that you would want NFL Red Zone viewers to know that maybe they don't know or can't pick up on just from watching every week, what would that be? Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks for asking that question. <laughs> People have asked that question maybe in a different way, which is, <clears throat> is there anything negative? Do fans say anything negative? Because it's, 
you know, I hear all the time that it's changed the way I watch football and it's the greatest show on TV and everybody loves it. But there is one negative, and that is this. It has spawned, because we've done such a good job at ping-ponging around game to game to game, it has spawned, at least on social media, a generation of wannabe television executives. <laughs> I got the guy on Twitter saying, the Cowboys are in the red zone. You don't show Dallas ever or Green Bay. Green Bay did this and you didn't show this. Or when are you going to when are you going to pay more respect to the Seahawks? Literally, like people now trolls, social media trolls are social media trolls. But these people legitimately think that they could do a better job at picking out which games and when we're going to go. And so I just tell people and, and this is to answer your question. What would I want people to know? You have to trust us. OK, you have to trust that we are, we are seeing everything. You are watching NFL Red Zone. We are watching the entire NFL. And we have more information to make the decisions of what game we go to, when we go there, how we go there. And we're doing the best that we absolutely can. Are we 100% perfect all the time? No, no. But, but I would stack up our decision-making against any other live production that even comes close to the demands of NFL Red Zone on television. So, so I would just say this, trust us, okay? You are looking at and listening to the guy who wants to show you more football than anybody on the planet. I'm not trying to cheat anybody from any great moment, any touchdown. And if you watch the show for a little while, you will see I am, a, I am manic about the game. I love it. I, I live it. I breathe it. And I'm passionate about it. And I want to share that with you. So just let us do our thing. We'll get to the Seahawks and the Cowboys <laughs> and the Eagles. And every, we'll, we'll get to all of that. You're going to see every touchdown from every game. But just because you don't see it and the moment that you think we should be on it doesn't mean that's the absolute truth or the right choice. It's one to seven, uh, one to eight, excuse me, Eastern every single Sunday. It has changed the way I view football bags. When the Packers aren't playing, man, you know I'm watching Scott Hansen and NFL Red Zone. You've seen it on your screen. Follow him on Twitter, simple, at Scott Hansen. Again, one to eight Eastern every single Sunday on the NFL Network's Red Zone channel. Scott, man, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, be well, continue to stay healthy, and enjoy the rest of the season. Chris, I appreciate it. Sean, thanks for having me on. Happy birthday to you, Sean. Enjoy Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. Scott Hansen with us here on Honorado and Bagnardi. That was awesome, man, because I'm telling you, NFL fans obsess about that show. Yeah. So it was cool to get some perspective uh, from Scott. We're brought to you by Capcom Federal Credit Union. Bags and I will do our bank on it coming up later in the show. Exit 9 Wine and Liquor right off Route 9, right off Exit 9 in Half Moon Clifton Park. And Dillagaff, go to dillagaffusa.com to check out uh, all of their great materials. And uh, our thanks to our sponsors here. we got a couple we're going to announce next week as well. The show continues to grow. The support continues to grow. Thank you for watching and, and thanks for the support of our sponsors here as well. Uh, Bags, the one thing I know I, I sent you, I think Scott's taken one bathroom break. So like, I'm not, it's, he says seven, it's seven hours of uninterrupted television. Yeah. There, there are no breaks. No. So you can't get away as easily as you'd like at times, I'm sure. I would imagine he's got a cut down on, on, on the liquids heading in, heading in the morning on Sunday. Um, I would drink too much coffee for that to even be possible. But he said that's one of, that's one of the qualifications you have to have for that job is the iron water. And he clearly has it if he's only taken one break in that long.
Uh, we're only a few minutes away from first pitch between the Braves and Marlins game two. Ian Anderson will take the mound. When we come back here on Honorado and Bagnardi, you'll hear from the Braves righty ahead of game two after he was terrific in that wild card series against the Cincinnati Reds. Hear from Ian Anderson next right here on Honorado and Bagnardi. So what does Capcom have that your bank doesn't? You'll love our lower fees and great rates and a team of financial experts who put you first. What's not to love? We even make it easy to switch. Visit us and open your account today. And find out what it's like to bank where you matter most. All right, Sean, I want to run through a couple of these real quick, man. Happy birthday greetings. Our guy, Alex Fuse, man, he's he's killing it on platforms like this and, and at Siena College uh, as well. My buddy Jeff, yes, I know. Yeah. I am older. I got many, many years on you. It's it's true. And then Jeff, too, based on, on Scott's comment there about Daniel Jones turnovers, yes, true. Eli did turn the ball over a lot. And, and Giants fans, there are a lot of them. I'm not saying Mitch is, but – but man, Giants fans were plenty of them who were Eli haters. He he got you two rings throughout entire career. I mean, outside of the the ring, the quick ring windows, there were Eli haters his entire career yeah. as Giants fans, even after the two rings. I know. And listen, going from Favre to Rogers as a fan, I'll, I'll take I'll take two rings. I'll take two rings. Right. For as great as Favre and Rodgers have been, I'll take one. One apiece. I know. One. Well, it's not coming this year. All right. Uh, will the Yankees win the World Series, Shawnee? They dropped game two last night to the Rays. That series is evened up at one apiece. How about this for some history? Giancarlo Stanton now home runs in four straight playoff games, five total long balls, and he joins Lou Gehrig and Reggie Jackson as the only in Yankees history to do that. Pretty impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. That's what he's there for. That's what he's there for. All right? I'm not blown away. Look, that's good. He's 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 doing a good job right now. That's good. That's all I've got to say on that. Well, the Yankees go. I'll have more on this in my bank on it. But I thought last night was uh, an extremely bad missed opportunity. Uh, I wasn't really sure about Boone's approach with the pitching. Um, and at the end of the day, in a best out of five series, I feel like they gave one away. Can't do that in a best out of five. You can't give one away. I'm not going to steal any of your thunder on that topic because I know you've got more coming up. So let's get to the Braves game here. They're about a couple minutes away from first pitch. Ian Anderson on the mound against the Miami Marlins. He's already made two starts against this team this season, right? Only had six regular season starts. Two of them came against the Marlins. And if you just look at the numbers, it would suggest he struggled. The defense, and part of it was an error he made, really opened the door for the Marlins to be able to score against Anderson. I think if defensively the Braves are clean today, they should be able to beat Miami. And here's Anderson yesterday meeting with the media talking about that prior experience against the Marlins. 
they got some guys that like to run, which is, uh, you know, you don't see that too much anymore nowadays in today's game. And, um, you know, they, they play to their strengths. They got, they got a lot of speed and, um, you know, just getting guys on base is huge for them. So, um, you know, trying to combat that, you just got to fill up the strike zone and, you know, trust the defense that, that we have behind, behind us. And I've pitched against the Marlins a couple of times here now. So, um, you know, I got a, a good idea of, of what they're trying to do and, and how I can use my strengths to, to kind of combat that. So, um, that's kind of been the biggest thing is just, just seeing how everything matches up and, uh, making sure I'm prepared. Boy, interesting game. Yes. What are you doing? I thought that was a really good soundbite there. Uh, that was good. That was Ian Anderson at his absolute best, and that wasn't distracting at all. You know, when we ran a soundbite from the show last last in last night's news, our director Tom said, "What is this base cam? You know, how they have the new base cam." I said, "Maybe it's Gatorade cam." What was that? Baseball's got to be better than that. We cannot get past the time of Zoom oh. any faster. Oh my. God, I mean, some nobody is like maybe this could be framed a little bit. Can we put that up on a table so maybe it's even and it's high level? No, I, mean, I know, ridiculous. I didn't even hear what he said. I didn't hear a word of what he said. What did he say? You know what? Do you remember the bite we ran from Ian last week? And you said the guy almost seems like he plays for the Patriots because oh. of just kind of. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of that. Hey, look, I feel good going in. I know some of the things I did incorrectly in the first couple starts against Miami. I've got to correct those things and and we'll be fine. Now, listen, the, the thing to talk about with this series is yesterday's game. The Acuna home run yeah. to lead off the game in the bottom of the first, the huge bat flip. And then his next time up, Sandy Alcantara plunks him. And it was intentional for the, the, the thought that it wasn't. The catcher is set up in Acuna's pocket, and then Alcantara hits him. Now, it was below the waist, so it wasn't anything dangerous, but it was 100% intentional. And then the Braves end up storming back and winning. But, but man, it was some good postseason fireworks. I, lo I don't like when guys throw at each other, but I love when you get some real tense moments. Yeah, me too. Uh, to me, that crap is more exciting in the regular season because it's just baseball's long regular season. What what really matters now are the outcomes of these games, and and that was an exciting game. Like you said, they came back. You like the the, the later inning drama in these playoff games. That to me is what's exciting. That extracurricular stuff. It's good. It adds a little bit to it um, because you like to see two teams who really don't like each other. That's the kind of feeling you want. You know, it, it can create a rivalry. You know, you want a lot of that stuff, but really this is just about the games now for me. And so for Anderson today, look for all the, for all you, that I want to make fun of him for how kind of deadpan he is and quiet and relaxed. I do think that's a huge part of what helps him be successful in big spots. And today's another big spot. You know, he's a guy who will go out there, you know he will not be rattled. He'll stay that that same demeanor, that same level of emotion when he's out on the mound, and that's probably going to help him as he as the Braves continue to move through the playoffs. Here, this is another huge start. Every start he makes now is the biggest start of his career. But from what we saw last time, I, again, I think we there's enough now of a sample size for me to feel like he, at the very least, is going to be in the right mindset and have the right approach. 
and be prepared. And that's pretty much all you can ask for with a young player. We know he's a talented guy, whether or not he's going to have his stuff every day or whether or not a good playoff roster is going to hit him. You know, we'll see. But I think the Braves have got to be so happy with what they've seen out of him so far. And it's hard to live up to the expectations being as high of a draft pick as he was so far. He's doing it. Uh, Bags, more birthday celebrations here for you. Thanks, Carol, man. who's a devoted viewer of ours. Thank you, Carol. Happy birthday, Shawnee. Thank you. Brian Perry on the West Coast wishing you – a happy birthday as well. All right, Bags. So let's wow the people who are watching, wishing you a happy birthday. We rolled out this segment last week. Our thanks to Capcom for their support in this. Shawnee and I call it Bank On It. Bank On It, Bags, presented by Capcom Federal Credit Union, 11 branches around the capital region. This is where you and I Take the opportunity to make a little prediction. You want to rewind to last week? Shawnee, you said that the Heat would win game two. You're off by a game. Miami took game three. And I start, I bucked the, the trendy thought that Anthony Davis was going to will the Lakers to an NBA Finals victory. And I said LeBron James would win Finals MVP, which would be his fourth career Finals MVP. And the way he's played the last three games, man, he's – I feel pretty good he's going to get that done. I think, yeah, I mean, Davis has been big in, in in their wins. I think it's going to really come down to who plays best in the deciding game, which I think will be next game, and I think probably will be LeBron. So I think you're right there. Uh, yes, my bank on it, though, this week, not about basketball. You're right. I was one, I was one game off, and to be fair, they did have the injuries – Heading into game two, I know, you know, game three was, look, whatever, it's fine. Uh, I, I thought they would get one and that's it. So they they now are done. Um, but this week I'm going with the Yankees because that game last night, as I just said a moment ago, is a huge missed opportunity. And when you give away a game that you could maybe otherwise win in a best out of five series, it's like when you walk a guy to lead off an inning. It almost always is going to come back to bite you. And I just have a bad feeling about this Rays team. They're really good. They give the Yankees troubles all the time. You can't give them a game in a shortened series. I felt like Tanaka should have been the answer to start in game two. I feel like Boone thought he was trying to be cute yesterday with the opener and then we'll bring in Hap. I don't like, I don't like the idea of an opener at all because, number one, if a guy – is bad to start, then you've just wasted a guy to start when you could have just had your starting pitcher in there. And if he's good, well, now you're taking a, a guy who's performed well out after one inning or, you know, maybe you give him two, whatever. But it just – I go with a starting pitcher. Don't try to do – unless you really think for whatever reason this is going to be the best strategy for you, but I don't feel like that's why Boone did it. I feel like it was just, you know, we're playing the Rays. They do this thing with the opener. We're just going to kind of, you know, throw a, throw a left instead of a right to start this. Maybe we'll throw them up. No, it doesn't work in baseball. That was a bad move. Tanaka should have been the starter. They gave away a game in a shortened series. I think it's going to come back to bite them. Game two will cost the Yankees this series. Bank on it. All right. Here's my bank on it. And this, believe it or not, is good for baseball. Bank on it, Bags. The Houston Astros will reach – 
the World Series. And I even feel better after your guarantee that this, in fact, will happen because Houston is going to knock the A's out of this ALDS. And if it's Tampa instead of New York, I like the Astros' chances even better. So if your prediction is true, then I feel good about this one. And I tell you, I'll say why it's good for baseball, okay? Because the Astros create controversy. And that's good in sports. Now, you don't, if you're baseball, if you're the commissioner, if you're Rob Manfred, you don't want them winning the World Series. But for this to continue to be a talking point and for people to want to root against the Astros, the longer they play, the better it is for baseball. Now, again, you don't want them raising the trophy because Correa and Bregman and Altuve and Springer, they'll all thumb their nose up at the idea that, well, they had to cheat in order to win. But the controversy around the Houston Astros, I think, is good for baseball. I don't know how the pitching gets them there necessarily, but the way they're hitting right now, the way they're ticked off, the way they're embracing this us-against-the-world mentality in that lineup, it's paying off. And if they get the Rays and not the Yankees in the ALCS, I feel really good about the Astros making it all the way to the World Series. And what would be poetic justice is if the Dodgers also get there and it's L.A. to beat Houston in the World Series. That would be a great storyline for a World Series. Yeah, so a couple of things on this one for me. I believe that, yes, they are galvanized by trying to prove the fact that they didn't need to cheat. No matter what they do this year, win the World Series or not, that for me will never erase what happened, right? It's kind of like, as I've said, with the deflate gate, like the Pats could have won that game easily, but it doesn't take away from what you did to try to gain an advantage that was against the rules. And it's still, it's illegitimate, no matter what happens this season, what you did in that season makes it illegitimate. So nothing's going to change my mind about that. I'm with you that it is good for baseball from the controversy standpoint. Baseball wants drama. Drama is why people watch. And that would add, it's a different level of drama than we often see in sports, but it's a drama nonetheless, and it would attract viewers. However, what would ultimately be better for baseball is to have the New York market in the World Series. So there's still baseballs pulling for the Yankees for sure. And you're right. It's too risky having them even get there because if they win it, then that's bad for baseball. All right, Bags, when we come back here, uh, the Lakers are now one game away from a title. What would one more do in your mind for where LeBron James is in history? And how many more could this Lakers team put together, assuming they can keep Anthony Davis in free agency? Because I think there's certainly more for L.A. to get. Honorado and Bagnardi back right after this. Depressed. Overworked, job sucks, underappreciated. When life sucks, <laughs> just say Dillagaff. Our clothing line puts the FU back into fun. Nothing will give you greater satisfaction. Dillagaff 
isn't just an attitude, it's a lifestyle. Some people ride the crazy train, we drive that mother. Check out our selection at DelaGaffUSA.com. All right, it's now a 3-1 series lead for the Lakers over the Miami Heat. Uh, game five, not until Friday night. So you got a couple extra nights off here. That My only thinking here, Shawnee, is the NBA wanted the Friday, Sunday, and specifically Sunday, I'm guessing, if there is a game six. You also have to take into account that tonight was going to be a night off anyway, and then you've got Thursday night football, so maybe you do push until Friday if you're the NBA but the clincher could come Friday night for the Lakers. It would, of course, be LeBron James' fourth title. Um, is this one over? Do the Heat have anything left in them now, especially Bam Adebayo is healthy again? Yeah, it's over. The Heat, the Heat are good enough to, to win, all things being equal here between these two teams. The Heat are good enough to go out there and win a game. They've already done that. So it's over. It's now time for LeBron James and Anthony Davis to close the door on this series. The Heat have shown me something, though. I mean, they, look, we knew they were good when they knocked off Milwaukee. We knew they were good when they beat a, a good Boston team. We, we knew that. We knew they were well coached. We knew Jimmy Butler was good. We knew that they played well together. We knew that they had some guys like Tyler Hero and, and Adebayo and Dragic, you know, young, younger guys who – maybe aren't big household names, but we knew they were all playing well together and having a good year. Then they hit the two best players in uh, on the floor in, in any series. So, like, that's it. That's when you're done. In any of the other series, Jimmy Butler was maybe at least the second best guy on the floor. You know, he wasn't Giannis and he wasn't, you know, Tatum or whatever, but he was still the second guy out there. Like, he was still the guy. He's not the guy. He's had he had his one game. He was the, he had a game where he was the guy on the floor, and they won because of that. But LeBron and Davis, far and away the two best players, and even with a supporting cast of like you know Caruso and and Danny Green, like they are too good. So yes, this series is over. Number four for LeBron. Um, they'll go out there and close the door on Friday. I mean. Dwight Howard has found like a fountain of youth somewhere in this NBA bubble, the way he has played over the last couple of months. Um, yeah, it it has felt like from the start, and and you and look, we've talked about it here. The Lakers have never played more than five games in any playoff series this year. So it just felt like they had everything together in order to to win a title. And and I don't know that. I was listening to people this morning, like Greeny on ESPN thinks that the Heat are going to win game five, and Jalen Rose thinks the Heat are going to win game five. I don't see it. To To me, it feels like LeBron knows that they've got – he sent a text apparently to his teammates, must win for, ahead of that game four. And I think now they just know, look, we only need one more. Let's not waste any more time here, right? We've been in this bubble for how long? Let's get home. Let's get to the off season. They want us to start again January first. Like let's let's just end this thing. And 
And I don't know, man, what does a fourth ring do for you in terms of how you view LeBron James? Does it change today to what you would think Saturday morning at all? I mean, not really, because I, I already view him. It He's already, to me, like number two, and I'm not going to put him ahead of Jordan because he has four instead of three. It definitely adds to his legacy. I'm not saying it doesn't. Um, I just it, you can't go from two to one because of it. And you can't go any higher than two if you're not going to be one. So it doesn't, it doesn't move the needle for me on that. He's still such a great player of such a high level of respect for everything he's done. Um, but you're right. It, to me, it felt like last night was the chance for the Heat because, okay, it's two to one. Now we can go out there and tie this series. And I thought last night was going to be a blowout. I thought the Lakers were going to bounce back and really slam them. And they hung with them and hung with them. And I thought, boy – this is their window in this series, and they didn't get it done. They didn't find a way to, to get it done in the fourth quarter. Lakers win it. So, yes, to me, this series is over. It'll be number four for LeBron. Not a huge change, though, in my shift of how I view him. Same for me. I mean, I'll still say Jordan is one. Uh, but what number four would do is set him up to catch Jordan. This Lakers team is not going to be done after this year. I think they'll keep Anthony Davis. I think the appearance of being able to win more rings is just going to make it an even more attractive destination for guys who are maybe towards the back end of their career but want a ring or, or bags, a guy who is in his prime and maybe feels like he's trying to do too much by himself all this talk that like Giannis might go to Golden State why couldn't he end up in LA why couldn't he go to the Lakers right he's got one more in Milwaukee why not go to LA after that I mean I just think that if LA is able to win and we both think and pretty much know that they will here I think you're going to get a lot of guys who want to go to the Lakers play with LeBron maybe his last one or two years and then it's you and Anthony Davis and maybe some young talent around you where you just kind of continue to build that Lakers legacy as an NBA franchise. I, I think it becomes an attractive destination. I think they win even more than just this one with LeBron. I think you're right. And I think it, a lot of it's going to depend on LeBron and his willingness as he gets older to be able to take a back seat to a guy like Davis. Let Davis be the best player on the team. And less money. And take less money. And if he does those things, if he if he really makes it about the championships, then look out for sure. But I got a question for you. If the Lakers, let's say we know Golden State will be healthy, but let's say, let's say the Lakers are still the best team in the West next year and get to the championship, and they're playing Brooklyn. Who do you like? If you know, healthy Brooklyn with a, a healthy, you know, Durant and, and Kyrie, um, Karis Levert. Boy, I want to see that. Me too. I want to see that because I think even Jared Allen and Anthony Davis would be a fun matchup. Um, I would still take the Lakers, though, today. I would still take the Lakers because they have LeBron James. Yeah. Look, I know. Man, I'd love to see Durant and, and and even just, you know, Kyrie against LeBron. I, I, that match, that's the dream matchup for the NBA. It isn't Giannis in the finals. It no. isn't Boston in the Lakers. It's Durant and Irving against right. LeBron and Anthony Davis. And New York and LA, too. I mean, that's just the dream anyway with the just the markets. Yeah, and the way, the way the NBA has shifted, Bags, it's no longer just about 
the two like iconic franchises. We no. want to see the superstars. Yeah. And that's not to say that Jason Tatum isn't going to be, but present day superstars, Brooklyn and LA next year is the dream matchup. Yeah, it's the dream for me, as you well know. Um, I would say that the Nets have more work to do to get there than the Lakers uh, because the Lakers have already proven what they can do. Um, I think that, like we said, they haven't even been tested yet. They weren't tested at all in the West, and we'll see how things change and who ends up where. But, like, if they're just going to roll through Houston and they're just going to roll through Denver, it's going to be – it, they should be the prohibitive favorites to get back to the NBA Finals next season. The East, though, the East is a little different. And the Nets, not having proven anything, will have certainly a lot to get through. They'll have a new head coach. They'll have to deal with Milwaukee and Boston. And, you know, it, it'll be a much more difficult trip to the Finals for Brooklyn, I would say. But, man, if we get that matchup, you're right, the NBA would love it. If you were watching us on Twitter today, jump over to Facebook, Honorado and Bagnardi's our page. Give us a like, give us a follow. You'll get the alerts every time uh, we have a show coming up. If you are already part of our Facebook following, thank you. Uh, this time next week, Bags will be in the NL and ALCSs. Yeah. We will have crowned an NBA champion in both of our minds. Look, if they're playing an NBA Finals game seven on what would be next Tuesday, you and I will be stunned. Yes. So I think we'll have an NBA champ. We'll have it down to the final four, if you will, in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. And let's see what the NFL is able to kind of get through here. Do they need to adjust on the fly or do they continue to just plow ahead the way they've done all pandemic long? We're back with you next week here on Honorado and Bagnardi. Shawnee, have a great birthday, man. Will you Thank celebrate you. this weekend? What's that? Oh, a little bit, yeah. But you know, just getting to spend this this hour with you today really sure. to do it. I'll tell you, it really completes it. Good, I'm glad. I'll hey, good luck to Braves today, and good luck to Ian Anderson for sure. Yeah, exactly. We'll be watching. I got it on the DVR right now. There are probably a couple innings in. That's where I'm headed. Go watch. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching.